On this episode, join Andy, Dean, and John on their journey home from Paradigm Pro Wrestling's What's the Difference in Clarksville, Indiana. Welcome to the Road Home from Wrestling. Here in my car, I feel safest of all. I can lock all my doors, and it's the only way live in cars. Alright, well, we're headed home from Paradigm Pro Wrestling. My name's Andy coming to you live to tape from the Road Home from Wrestling World Mobile Headquarters of the world. Now I got Dean in the front seat. What up, Dean? What's up, guys? How you doing, Dean? Doing good. First time in Paradigm. It is. First time in the new building. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But first, we have to introduce our other member of the co-host crew today. That is John. What up, John? Guys, it was my first time here. It was fun. It was a blast. Wow. All right. Podcast over. There you go. Yeah. Wrapped it up. You're welcome. (laughs) Hey, I think you're forgetting someone that's sitting back here with me. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Bradley Prescott IV. Oh, the little one, though. Yeah. His little battle buddy is back here with me. (laughs) Buckle him in. Yeah. Jeez. He's safe, buddy. I think you got to wear a seatbelt in Indiana. But uh, but anyway, yeah. Does he have a beer? Well, yeah, it's not a, it's not open, Dean, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, worry about yourself up yeah, there. Okay? Yeah, yeah, worry about yourself. Uh, but, uh, yeah, tonight was Paradigm Pro Wrestling's What's the Difference? That was the name of the show. And uh, that's probably some super cool song that I've never heard of, because typically their shows are named after songs. Now, real quick history about Paradigm Pro Wrestling and why tonight was important is that uh, Paradigm Pro Wrestling was originally called Prodigy Pro Wrestling, and they changed their name due to some shenanigans uh, involving former partial owners and whatever bullshit that's none of my business. But, uh, you know, what happened was is that they've been running out of the arena for, I think, I think like two years or maybe a year and a half or something like that. And, uh, you know, the arena's got its ups, it's got its its downs, and sometimes the downs are just too much for you, and you got to move on. And so they found a new building that's actually like five minutes from the arena, and this place is called Malice Manor. Dean, tell us a little bit about this venue. I like the venue. Uh, it's also used as a haunted house. That's right. It was so spooky in there. Was it? I didn't yeah. get spooked out at all. I was, I, I was all tough about it. Were you? Were you? Yeah. Oh, you're like, I'm not scared. I'm definitely not scared of ghosts. I would never be scared of ghosts. So ghosts. There you go. That's what it is. Well, okay, so, John, can you describe the venue? Uh, yeah, so it was a large open room, kind of, but you could see a wall over on the other side where I believe, uh, you know, some, some insane asylum people were living. Oh, inside the walls over there. Okay. I didn't know if you heard them at all. I didn't. I. It was so fucking loud in there, I couldn't hear anything. And that was my biggest takeaway from tonight as far as the venue goes, is that, you know, and, and again, we're not trying to dog the arena or anything, because we've seen a lot of amazing shows there, and that's definitely a place I'll continue to go to see wrestling. But, like, at the arena, the ceiling is so high, which is good, but it's also covered, like, yes, in, like, a foot of insulation. So... The problem is, is that noise doesn't travel in that room. It just goes up, and it soaks into the ceiling. In this place, it's basically a steel building with some drywall put up, and so that sound's got nowhere to go except bounce around in there, you know? So it was loud as fuck, which was great. 
you know, I'm not used to seeing a paradigm show where the, you know, you can, the crowd is drowning out everything that's happening in the ring, you know, it's pretty cool. So, uh, anyway, you guys got any opening thoughts before we get started? Dean, any opening thoughts? Oh, let's just try and kind of get into it, and I'll sprinkle my thoughts throughout. <laughs> Can't wait. John, any opening thoughts? Anything you want to throw out there? Uh, it was interesting that it was a low boy ring tonight. Right. I did hear that they had a ring ordered. It just hadn't come in yet. And so we had a low boy ring instead of our traditional taller one. Yeah, this was the lowest of the low boy rings, too, which is basically the only you know, like, height that it has is the ring itself, so, like, there's nothing holding, I, I don't know how to describe this, but it's basically one step up, you know, so, like, it's only, like, a foot off the ground, which is, is good, because you feel like you're in the action, but it's also bad, because if, um, you know, you can't see as well, you know, if, any, if like, say, a cameraman, for example, is standing in front of you, yeah. um, then you can't quite see the ring, and he can't really bend down to get out of the way, so it's kind of no bueno as far as that goes, but the cool thing about tonight is the way that the setup was, it was really easy to see everything for the most part, except when people were walking in front of you or something like that. That was about it. Um, Okay, well, Dean, you want to let us know what happened first? So we did did have uh, a young, uh, what was the young man's name that was kind of the MC of the night? He came out. Jay Rose. Yes, uh, and he was Hyping the crowd up, everything was, you know, he was getting everyone excited about the show. And then we had our first match. What was the first match? The first match was the match that I anticipated would be the main event. But yeah. Gary J going up against Cole Radrick. And this was also for the Paradigm Heavyweight Championship with Cole Radrick just one off AJ Gray, either last month or the month before. Um, AJ Gray had held it for like a year or something like that. Um... John, what uh, what do you think of Gary J? First time seeing him, right? It was. And I was trying to figure out, is he Irish or is he just kind of like country? He's from St. Louis. He's, so he's neither. He's a stiff robo-ginger. Okay. So I just was trying to figure out who he was. I knew he was the ginger, but I wasn't sure. It's you know. Gary J, but who are you? <laughs> Well, hopefully. Yes, yes, I know that, but who <laughs> are you? Well, I'm hoping that after seeing this match, you got a good idea of what he's, what he, you know, who he is, because, I mean, this match had fucking everything in it, you know, and we're familiar with Gary J as a, a very heavy striker, and the kind of guy that if you're a wrestler and you say, hey, um, can we do like a DDT off the top rope to the apron? He's going to be like, cool, sounds good. You oh, want yeah. me to take that? Awesome. You know, so he just seems like up for whatever, and uh, he, we've seen him at the TPI, we've seen him, you know, I, I one of the first times I saw him was at a Paradigm show versus Reed Bentley in basically a headbutt match, so they just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, that was at Shamrocks and Shenanigans, you, you know, like a year and a half ago, or two years ago, so... I remember um, a couple of different Reed Bentley matches with just headbutts where it was like two coconuts just... Oh. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so Cole Radrick, obviously, we're very familiar with Cole. Um, you know, I was cheering for Jay, uh, for Gary Jay in this match because fuck Cole, but also Cole rules. Um, you know, John, you've now had the opportunity to see Cole several times in a couple different places. What do you think of Cole Radrick as a wrestler? 
I know he's not your favorite, but <laughs> he is quickly grown on me. He's pretty awesome, isn't he? I, yeah, he's super charismatic in the ring. I think he's got pretty quick offense, but he also mixes in some more stronger style at times, I believe. Um, I think he's just a real fun guy to watch in the ring. He has it. Whatever it is, he has it, you know? Um, it, it, it's obvious. And like you said, he's extremely charismatic. He's very good at, you know, communicating to the crowd what he's feeling, you know? And that's a very important part of wrestling, obviously. Uh, some people call it facial expressions and stuff like that. Cole's the king of that. And uh, he's pretty great. Now, Dean, you've seen Cole for a long time. What do you think about the Cole that you saw tonight versus, you know, the doofy kid, you know, the onesie wonder, the, uh, you know, rambunctious man baby? I mean, what do you think about him now? Uh, I've always liked Cole. That that was one thing that I liked about him is that he didn't have the typical, you know, uh, wrestler look. He didn't come out with a silly gimmick that like a skull painted on him so he looked tough or he didn't come out in a trench coat so he looked tough. He just trench coat. <laughs> he looked like a basic white or a mask. Or he just came out as like this kid you're like, Oh, let's see what this guy can do. And he can go. we've always talked about how how Cole was very tough. He takes a lot of a lot of punishment and matches, a lot of bumps and he keeps going. That's also what I, what in my head, that's what I remembered Gary J for, not for necessarily giving the stiff strikes, which he did in this match quite a bit. I remembered him just withstanding and being like a robot, like the Robo Ginger who just keeps coming despite taking a lot of offense. That's fair. Yeah, and early, you know, before this match started, I yelled at Cole. I said, you're going to die, Cole. And he said, I'm, that means I'm going to get my shit in. That's what he yeah. said. <laughs> That's pretty great. So, anyway, now, my I took notes tonight, and my notes get a little more detailed as the night goes on. We just got there, walked in, talked to a million people, sat down, the show started. So, you know, um, but this match had everything in it. Do you guys have any particular spots you remember? Um, I know a lot of this was... You know, um, I mean, there was a million dive start dive spots to start, right? I mean, oh, stuff yeah. like that. You got John, or John. You got anything you remember from this match? Uh, I remember Gary J took Cole around the entire arena, pretty much, and just chopped the crap out of him. Good at every spot, and even directly in front of us. And then he kicked his head off. I wish he would have just aimed higher. You know, just chop a little higher. You know, just just maybe chop Cole in the face. What do you think? Well, they eventually not the throat. No, the throat's illegal. Yeah, oh. well, they eventually got to the chopping to the face, and they just started <laughs> slapping the shit out of they each did. other. It's, oh my god! I knew that was going to happen at some point because I mean, like I said, Gary J's shit is like all these stiff strikes, and like that's what he's going to do. You know, um, Cole's going to be resilient and everything. But this was a face face match, so you know, both guys. There wasn't necessarily like a big heat section where one guy was just beating the shit out of the other one. Very evenly matched. Is uh, anything else uh, that you remember there, Dean? Again? When uh, when Cole was doing his dives, he was kind of coming out, and it's like he was stepping through the rope really quick, so he would land on one foot, but also throw his upper body into Gary J. And on one of them, Gary J. just uppercutted him in the side of the head and oh, just dropped man. him. That was tremendous. Yeah, the dives were a little different tonight because. 
when the wrestlers are coming from a little higher, they have a little more time to get their feet under them or to adjust their body to where they need to land properly. So the dives kind of looked weird because they, you know, they were like instantly outside the ring and standing up or outside the ring and, and laying on a bunch of dudes. You know what I mean? It was just kind of... It's like they were eye level. Yeah, it's weird when they're that low. It's not quite the same that you see in another, you know, uh, venue with a larger ring. But we'll, uh, you know, they'll get there. But but anyway, what else? We did, uh, I just have to finish. Okay. We, which, did you guys think this was a good match? Yes. It was awesome, right? I enjoyed it, but I'm going to say there were some other matches that stole the show for me tonight. Well, this was an opener, John. You don't want this to be what? This the best match of the night. But I also kind of figured this was going to be the main event. It should have been further down the card. It shouldn't have been jerking the curtain. Yeah, um, I think that the choice to put this first was probably because they knew that the Rejects and the Young Dragons were going to destroy the place. So they figured that's going to be the, the main event for that reason. You know, so, so start hot. Yeah, so title you, match. you got it. Yes, yeah, so if you can't have your title be the main event, we've seen this many times at other promotions where if that's the case, then you put it first. You know, which I, I don't necessarily agree with, but at the same time, I was really happy to see this match. I wish it would have just been a little bit longer. That's the only thing I would have liked, but at the same time, it was awesome. Love Gary J. I'm okay with Colton. And, uh, you know, but what happened here with the, with the finish team? Uh, Cole would hit Lil Sebastian's curse. He got the win. Then we got some respect from Gary J putting the title on Cole and congratulating him. That's right. So uh, Cole retains, and uh, he's the he's the top dude over there. You know, top guy, top dude, doing top guy shit. So that was pretty cool. What was the next match, Dean? We had a four way dance. Oh, this had Flash Thompson. Oh. <gasps> Versus Zay Washington versus Plucky versus Sean Kemp. He's a dog. Hey, Sean Kemp is a dog. Um, John, can you describe the other people in this match? Yeah, so Flash Thompson, I feel like he was channeling his inner uh, man uh, without fear. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the. There was a wrestler that used to dance a lot. Well, Disco Inferno. Yeah. Uh, Alex Wright. Alex Wright, Flash Funk. He was channeling just all of the the dancers because he had these glasses that had lights going across. He thought he was, you know, hot shit. I think he was channeling the dancing white boy inside all of us. Oh, he was for sure. (laughs) Um, Like an an inner child that just is always going to be there. (laughs) Zay Washington, I want to say his tight said he was the chosen one. Yeah, sounds right. Um, he seemed like just the typical wrestler a little bit. Okay. Uh, Plucky was, uh, he, he was kind of a head-scratcher for all of us, because we looked at him and we were like, what's going on with this guy? He had, like, floral pants on and this real wispy uh, blouse. Came out to Madonna's Lucky Star. Just kind of caught us all off guard, because he wasn't technically advertised for this match originally. Right, so he was thrown in, caught us all off guard. What about the last guy? And Sean Kemp, he came out with, you know, someone walked him out to the ring. He peed on one of the, the like the <laughs> ring posts. Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. Mark and his territory, like this ring is mine now. Uh-huh. And then he got in and started, whoop, 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 whoop. and everyone was like, "Oh, you're a good boy," and started petting him. I mean, 
dogs are fucking over, man. You know? Dude, okay. Over like rovers? Yeah, well, there you go. Dean, what is more over, dogs or cats? Dogs. Definitely, right? John, you care to weigh in on this? I mean, it's definitely dogs, because cats don't give a fuck. No. Whether you like them or not. You know, I I just told this story on, on the podcast recently, but this is... Yeah, this is a new a new listening audience tonight, so they can hear this real quick. <clears throat> a friend of mine that's a youth minister told me this uh, story once. He said that you know if you get a dog and you feed it and you you know you take care of it, you take it for walks and you feed it and all that stuff, the dog looks at you and it thinks you're God. You must be God. You know. So you get a cat. You take care of the cat. You change the litter box. You love on it. You feed it, and the cat thinks to itself. I must be God, right? Oh, I like that. I, don't, I, I know I've heard it before, but it's been a while. It's, it's spot know. on. Absolutely. Cats think they're God. And so, you know, that's what's cool about Sean Kemp is that he's a dog. He's not a cat, you know? Fuck cats. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So we were cheering him on and uh-huh. rooting for him, so we're God. Yes. Yeah. That, that's the point then. That's the, that's what it all. That's the how way, much he loves his fans. But here's the problem, Dean, is that we are in a car going 80 miles an hour on a highway, and like usually in a movie, when somebody says "I'm God now," they just die instantly. So that's when the car just explodes and goes off a cliff. So, uh, final so we are not God. No, no. so. Uh, Full disclaimer. <laughs> just for that. Anyway, so this is a four-way. Let's just call it like it is. Flash Thompson's Kyle Maverick. Yeah! Hey, we learned tonight that there was no snitching at this show. And if you snitched, you got kicked out. So, Dean, I need you to get out of the car. <laughs> All right, well, he, I, said, he said he was God, so get out of the car. <laughs> I was very happy to see Kyle Maverick of course. wrestling. Just for the sheer fact that he's a, he's a guy that wanted to wrestle... He got injured. He came back and wrestled. He got injured. He came back and he wrestled. <laughs> and just seeing a guy that is just still doing it, I respect that. And I'm he's happy the, for him. He's man. the Rey Mysterio. He lost. Uh, he, there was a, he had a good match at one of the uh, horror courts where he left dating and he was retired, leaving wrestling is what I thought. And I'm real happy to see that he's still, you know, working away and stuff. Yeah. Thompson did not have to leave Dean. That's true. That's true. Although maybe he did, you know, uh, maybe that's the best thing for a young wrestler. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we obviously, we've seen uh, Kyle Maverick for years at this point. So really happy to see him, you know, doing a new gimmick and shout out to joy over in England. Confirmed. All right, joy confirmed just for you. So, uh, joy has long suspected this flash Thompson gentleman, is maybe the former Kyle Maverick. So now we've confirmed it. We saw it for sure. They definitely are either twin brothers or the same person. So anyway, maybe he's uh, going through an identity crisis. Oh, he definitely is. You see how many gimmicks he was wearing? He was wearing like eight different gimmicks. Yeah, yes, he was yeah. definitely going through it. So, um, but but anyway, yeah. Uh, Dean, any notes on this one? Uh, Flash right away cuts a heel promo. Uh, the sound was good as far as you could hear the loudness of the crowd. You could hear the loudness of the ring. It wasn't very, it was more uh, quality than quantity because it was very difficult to make out some of the stuff that was being said on the microphone. We couldn't understand a goddamn word unless the crowd was absolutely silent. Please don't use my name. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to die. 
That's awesome. Anyway, right, we're gonna get through this. We are. We couldn't. <laughs> we couldn't hear a gosh darn word. I mean, you can hear it, but it, as always, as always, it's like you know. I mean, that's what we're hearing, so it's kind of tough to make out people's names. There are a few people whose names I didn't quite catch because I just don't know. What the, I couldn't understand them. But, but anyway, yeah. So, but it was clear from uh, Flash Thompson's body language and the things he was, you know, saying that he was a bad guy. Yes. Definitely. He was pointing a lot. He had on sunglasses that lit up and said different things. Uh, It looked like they were lining up for the typical what you see. I was totally calling for the triple super kick because they were kind of all slowly, gradually, halfway surrounding him. Uh, But then they kind of, we got... A lot of the normal stuff that you see in a multi-man match. It's a pretty standard multi-man match. You know, we had guys getting knocked up to the outside so the two guys could work on each other. And then, you know, kind of the same setups that you see in all these kind of scramble-type matches or things like that. Uh, John, was there anyone in this match that impressed you more than the others or something like that? So, this is my second time seeing Sean Kemp, and I like how athletic he is for a larger fella. I feel like he's very, like, agile, and he's able to do really quick moves that you don't typically typically see from bigger dudes. So, I mean, he continues to impress me each match I see him in. You're, uh, so here's the problem, John, right? Is that you claim to be a member of the Lost Boys in a shuffle boy. Well, let's like let's it. let's focus on the Indiana stuff for now. I mean, Shovel Boys are you know they're once again the owners of the Road One Wrestling Podcast, and we we love them. However, um, you are now treading on some dangerous territory because you have said many really great things about Jonathan Wolf. You've said many many great things about Sean Kemp. Um, you're probably going to say some great oh, things sh- about. Uh, sure. Yeah. You're probably going to say some great things about Billy Starks tonight, too. Are you are you trading in your Lost Boys membership card for a membership to Iffy? Is that what's going on here? Um, we have to wait to see uh, which other member of each faction impresses me more. So we still have Hoodwink. Hoodfoot? Hoodfoot. Hoodwink. We, we still have Hoodfoot. I don't even and then know who your brothers are. God. Well, you're the worst lost boy ever. Well, and Chase Holiday's gone now. I know. So, he like, quit. he, he Yeah, so he's not, like, on the radar. So, there's that another sucks. iffy person, I'm sure. There's 94 of them. Yeah, there's a lot of iffies. So, so uh, I just need one more to impress me, and then I guess that's where my allegiance is going to lie. Okay. All right. Well, you hear that? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the night goes and see where... John's allegiances lie after tonight. So. Yeah, but right now I'm hanging out with Bradley in the back seat. So All I, mean, right. I feel like I'm lost boys. I feel like you're two timing. That's what I feel like you're doing. But you know, it's I'm Nobody's not a member. Snitching. I'm you not guys are snitching up front. I'm not a member of either group, so I don't well, I you know, group. I don't know anything about that. Who says you have to be exclusive to one wrestling group? Uh, all people in wrestling groups. Yeah, I remember one time I interviewed Cole. And a bunch of the Lost Boys were there, and I was like, oh, Cole, so you're a member of the Lost Boys, too. That was, like, my leading question, and they were all like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's great stuff. Anyway. Kill the business crew. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so anybody impress you in this one, Dean? Uh, I've been looking forward to seeing Sean Kemp. I wish I could have seen, like, 
seen him maybe in a one-on-one match or a scramble where the focus could have been like get in all your cool shit and be done or more of an opportunity for him to shine versus in the, in the this match I didn't feel like he got an opportunity really to shine you know who impressed me in this match was that guy named Zay I thought he was pretty good man he did some really cool shit and uh, like he was where he needed to be you know at the times he was feeding well and standing there you know being where he needed to be at the right times I, I was really impressed with him you know uh and uh, I don't know what group he's in, so I can't really say if I'm joining his group or anything. Yeah, they're all a part of something. I guess so. Well, isn't it nice to be a part of something, John? Yes, we're it? a part of something. We are. We're part of the Road Home from Wrestling podcast. That's what we are. So and every now and then we raffle off of like a spot in the car. We do once a year. And nobody fucking takes us up on it. So <laughs> they can all suck a dick. Log on to iTunes and rate and review. Please be a part of something. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll put all the reviews from this episode in a hat, and where we pick, you get to come to a show. Uh, how about this? If if somebody if, if we get some <laughs> if we get some reviews uh, after tonight on iTunes, I will check it out, and I will pick someone who gives a review in the next two days. All right, and I will send them some stickers for free. So how about that? There you go. But you gotta let me know you left a review, so you can hit us up at uh, at the Road Home FW on Twitter. All right, so who won the match, D? Uh, Flash stole the win after uh, the Burning Hammer. They kind of went a little Death Valley drivery. Well, who hit a Burning Sean Hammer? Sean Kemp. There you go. They hit the Burning Hammer on that little plucky fella, and uh, he was kicked out of the ring. By Flash, and then Flash got the pin and the victory. There you go. Pretty cool. So uh, that looks like that we're building ourselves a feud between Flash and a dog, you know, or the dog, I guess. And uh, that should be some fun stuff. So maybe next time we'll get that singles match. We'll see what happens. I gotta, uh, we got to tell John about the guy that would let go of the bow and arrow. Oh, man. Okay, so real quick Kyle Maverick story. Um, Kyle Maverick used to do the. Actually, Damian Priest is stealing his shit now on NXT. But Kyle Maverick used to do this deal where he pulled uh, back the bow and arrow during his entrance, right? And you, when you when you fire a bow and arrow, Dean, if you're holding the bow with your left hand and the and the string with your right, you would let go with your right hand, right, Dean? Yes. But tell us about this guy in the front row. That was. What would he do? Yes, there was this guy in the front row. And one time we're at a show, Kyle Maverick comes out, he, he pulls the arrow back, and he kind of nudges me and goes, watch this fan in the front row. And the guy, when he lets go of the bow arrow, he opens both hands. Yes! And he goes, he just <laughs> let go of the bow. Where's that arrow going? It's fun. It's going up in the air. So like this, this is a little joke between every time Kyle would come out, and he and this was a, a Kyle Maverick fan, and Kyle liked the guy, and they would kind of do it together. We would just like laugh to ourselves for two seconds on the fact that this guy never held on to the bow. <laughs> I think after a while we maybe said something to Kyle about it or something. Maybe he was listening to the show and knew about it because he would kind of look over at us and give us a little wink when, when that shit was gone. <laughs> it was hilarious. Have you ever shot a bow and arrow and it just like totally scraped your forearm? Absolutely. It, yes. It that's, what, that's what bracers are for, yes. my friend. It hurts so bad. <laughs> my, uh, my brother, uh, his fiance now has two kids and at Thanksgiving uh, 
the daughter was talking. I had just seen Hunger Games and was talking up and down <laughs> about how she wanted a bow and arrow and she wanted a real bow and arrow. So I got her one for Christmas. Wow, dude. And it comes with that forearm cover. Because I remember years ago when one of my cousins was younger and got a bow and arrow, I wanted to go out and shoot it. And he goes, here, you got to put this on your forearm. I was like, I don't need that. And then I whipped the shit out of my forearm. He <laughs> yeah. goes, yeah, maybe you do. But was, yes. Was this a compound bow? Was it just like a regular recurve Like bow? A, a youth little bow and arrow. Okay, all right. It comes with darts. They're actually sharp and pointy. Yikes. And then I was going to get her brother, like, one of those little hair bandanas, but it also has, like, the deer antlers on it and a shirt with a target on it. <laughs> that is tremendous. So, <laughs> all right. What was the next match, Dean? The next match, one second I lost in the spot, was Brett Eisen going up against Juicy Jim. That's right. Juicy Jimmy. That's right. So, Brett Eisen is like a shoot fighter type gimmick uh, from... I think his short said Kentucky, but I thought he was from like Tennessee. I mean, I know I know him mostly from Southern Underground Pro, and you know a few other places. Kind of, I think he used to wrestle at PWF and a couple places like that. Um, he's a guy who's been showing up at Paradigm here and there. He's a tremendous wrestler. And then Juicy Jimmy is, uh, you know, uh, we we know well, I know him from uh, you know going to PWF back in the day. And uh, he's just one of those Kentucky good old boys that's been around a long time, man. So I um, didn't know that he had been around wrestling for as long as, as he has been. Apparently, I thought he was just like one of the one of the investors, one of the owners that was able to, so he kept putting himself in funny matches just to go out because he could. No, uh, you know, he was a wrestler originally, and then he got into promoting with PWF. He did that for like eight years, I think, and then. You know, he's moved back into the ring, and you know, I think the, the we'll get to this at the end of the match. But Juicy Jimmy has a really cool story uh, that's going on with him right now, like a shoot life type story that we'll get into. But you know, he's kind of a flamboyant, you know, character, and that's kind of that's his deal, right? So you know, he comes out and Brett to Ice, a Kesha song. Yeah. Yeah. What? So what? Tell me. You guys know the song? I don't know the song. What is this? Uh, I just know it's a Kesha song. I can look up the name of it. John? Uh, Kesha's just for the, everyone. So she makes real funky pop music and that is not necessarily for everyone, but she is open. Okay. And it's everyone. like a techno version. Um, there's a, there was a song that I've heard before that's not as techno, techno and poppy as this. But it's like, there's a place in France where the naked ladies dance. There's a, a hole in the wall where the where men the, can, can see, see it all. all. Yeah, yeah, I heard it's that, that song. Okay. But it's like very techno-y and poppied oh. up. And you'll hear it at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's like, oh, I will. Okay. There's a place downtown where all the freaks come around. Huh. There's a place Man, I know. I kind of want to go to France after hearing that song. You know, there's so many fun. walls. How do you find the right one? <laughs> Just look for holes and start looking in there. Maybe on the other side. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, okay. Well, um, the only thing I know about Kesha is that Jerry Seinfeld does not want to hug her. That's no, all I know. Yeah, so. No, thank you. That's, no, just a quick hug. A little one. No, no, thank you. She's really pretty, too, if yes. I remember right. But uh, anyway, okay. So, um, this match was, you know, usually Juicy Jimmy's kind of, you know, a little bit of a comedy character and stuff like that. But... I mean, these guys were playing around, right? No, there's no laughing matter. No, 
there were definitely spots where I thought it was actually about to turn into nice, right? Yes. So, uh, Dean, tell me about this opening exchange where Juicy Jimmy is just throwing fucking. He was throwing haymakers. (laughs) He was hitting very hard, and like, I mean, in Juicy Jimmy's arms, although they are much lighter now than they used to be, they're not light, you know, so he was just throwing his fucking forearms as hard as he could at, uh, at, um, Brett Ison, and Brett Ison was just kind of taking it all, you know, he, he'd throw one here and there, kind of give one back to him, but he was just kind of taking it for the first little bit of this match, right? He, he kind of got tired of doing this. <laughs> he did, he got tired of taking it. Uh, what else happened here, Dean? Uh, at one point, Jimmy snuck in a little kiss. Yeah, he decided he wanted to get a kiss. Um, and Brett Eisen, he became enraged, but it was almost like he wasn't mad because some dude had kissed him. He was mad because you just punched me a bunch of times, and now I'm going to kill you. I think that was a little more the purpose behind his anger. But yeah, he was angry. It's really his fetish. Like, he doesn't like to get abused and made out at the same time. I I'm not going to make any assumptions about Brett Eisen and what he likes to do or not do, because I don't want to die. John, if you want to, you know, get into that, you can, but, I mean, I saw what he did to Juicy Jimmy. I don't want to get into anything. No, that's, that's, not, that's not my shit, so, anyway. Well, uh, yeah, so they beat the shit out of each other inside the ring, outside the ring, all over the place, and uh, what else happened here, Dave? Uh, we just have a, uh, basically the finish is what we have. Okay. It was kind of a shorter of the matches, uh, uh, Kimogi Nii. The, uh, Kamagoye. Yes. Nii. Yes, that. <laughs> is what, he, uh, Brent Eisen used, and then he pinned Jushi for the win. Yeah, the Kamagoye Nii is the, uh, it's like... Kota Ibushi's finisher, he grabbed both the guy's hands to a kneeling opponent and then just blast him in the face with a fucking knee. It's tremendous. It looked awesome. And, uh, yeah, he took out Juicy Jimmy. Uh, John, what you think of this match? So, I mean, we'll get into Juicy Jimmy's thing in a second, but I was very impressed. Again, a lot of the larger guys here tonight were very quick, and with Juicy Jimmy... Being a larger guy who's, you know, kind of gone through a little bit of a transformation here lately, I thought that he was able to continue to go. He never looked like he was gassed or, like, slowed down. I thought he was able to keep up. And there's a lot of other, you know, some other bigger wrestlers and even tiny wrestlers who can't go for more than three minutes without having to stop for a breather. I didn't think he had to do that at all in this match. I thought that was really... That was... A lot of credit to him, just how he's been stepping up his cardio and working out, doing all that stuff. What you think, Dean? I liked him. I, I, I was like, like I said, going into this match, I thought he was just a booker who could put himself in a match. But I was really much more impressed by that match than I ever anticipated I would be. So here's the. So after the match, Juicy Jimmy grabs the mic. And he talks about what's been going on with him. So he tells a little bit about what I already told you. The other thing that uh, we haven't talked about is that Juicy Jimmy has lost a tremendous amount of weight. And he didn't get, at least not that I'm aware of, he didn't get like the gastric bypass. He didn't take some kind of shortcut. Not No offense to anybody that got that or whatever. But he has just been busting his ass in the gym. 
and uh, eating right and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Jimmy was a humongous dude. And now he's just a big dude. So, I mean, that is, I, I got to give him props for that, man, because that's like, you know, basically he just let everybody know, hey, I'm changing my life, so can you? You know, uh, yeah, I lost this match, but, you know, I, I want to be an inspiration to you guys, and I'm an inspiration to myself kind of deal, uh, but not in an egotistical way, in a very sweet and nice way. So um, I'm just really proud of him, man. You know, when I met him, he was humongous, and now he's lost all this weight. You know, um, there's this thing inside all of us, right? Some of us have it more than others, and it's I call it the fire in the belly. You know, it's the will to live. It's your fighting spirit. It's 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 who you are boiled down. And when I see stuff like that, that just you know confirms that you know Jimmy's got that inside of him, and he's channeling that. And and the fact that what you said, John, about how the fact that he just busted his fucking ass in this match, I mean, it says a lot about the dude. You know, I don't know. Pretty tired once. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. I'm really happy with this match. I thought it was awesome. Anybody else got anything? Uh, who is the Fear Family? Oh, yeah. So, oh, he said, fuck the Fear Family. Okay, so um, <clears throat> for PWF, uh, Pro Wrestling Freedom was owned by a guy named uh, Father Fear. And I, honestly, that's kind of all I know about him, except that he looks like a biker dude. He's got like a long beard and... And uh, he's just some guy that I would see at shows every once in a while. I don't know much about him other than he was supposed to be Jimmy's manager tonight. Uh, uh, We kind of didn't quite catch why he wasn't there. Jimmy said something about it. But, again, we were having a hard time understanding uh, what people were saying on the mic. Uh, But, uh, you know, he just basically pulled out like a a Fear Family shirt and he ripped it up and said, I'm on my own now. Which is symbolic in the wrestling world, but it's also symbolic in his shoot life, where he's basically saying, I'm not a booker anymore, I'm a wrestler, you know, that's kind of what that's all about, so, anyway, what else? Oh, we can't forget to mention, I feel like it was common, it was kind of a common thread throughout the rest of the night, starting here, after Brett Eisen won his match, he kind of got on the mic and cut a promo to management saying, like, I keep beating every person you put in front of me. No one can stop me. I deserve a title match. Why am I not getting title shots when other people are who are less deserving than me? Yeah, um, he was fucking pissed, right? Yeah. And he seemed offended that he had to beat up Juicy Jimmy, too. You know, like, what is this? Why are you giving me this? He screamed at management. Um, and I don't even think he had the mic. I think he just screamed at him from the ring. Um, true. But... Yeah, that was one kind of like little thing that we're, you know, may have a, a, uh, a, a criticism of, of paradigm is that there's too much talking. Yeah, it's just like, that is a fact. And that's just one of those things that going back to their very first shows, there was always too much talking. And, and like, here's what I mean. I don't mean like, you know, don't have that many promos. I just mean, make them quick. You know what I mean? When somebody cuts a promo, say what you mean, get done, that's it, move on. You know what I mean? And plus, we did have too many promos tonight, I would say. Just my opinion. I don't know. I think most people would agree with me, though. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think there was a little too much talking. And I, and I started to get more tired of it by the end of the night when I was just like, okay, it's looking at late. Let's not, we don't need filler anymore. Right, and the fact that we couldn't understand what they were saying anyway kind of made it, like, pointless, you know? So, 
And, I mean, if you were sitting back by the speakers, you probably understood every word. But there's a good chunk of people in the crowd that didn't, that were like, what? I don't know what you're saying. So, anyway. Uh, what, what happened next, Dean? Next, we had a tag match, which we would learn the winners of this match would go up against Awesome Odyssey for a tag team title match. Yeah, I guess, so, they haven't crowned tag champions yet. But when we walked in, the tag champion belts were, like, in a display case, um, you know, underneath the kind of entrance area right there when you come in. So those have not been awarded yet. So I think they've had some kind of tournament, not positive. Point is, is that Awesome Odyssey is waiting for an opponent to go against to win the titles or lose them or whatever. So um, that's what this match was all about. Who was in this one, Dean? The Smoking Buds and DDT Trash. That's right, Dean. Or, uh, John, tell us a little bit about the Smoking Buds. So it took me a minute, but I finally figured out what they were. So they came out, they had a cooler with waters in it. Another guy had a bottle of some kind of substance. I don't know what was in it. Uh, but then I looked at their attire and I kept thinking of their name. And I'm like, why are they wearing cowboy boots when they're like. Smoking buds, which kind of is like marijuana. What? Uh, yeah, shocker, I know. Uh, and then I hit me. Smoking guns, smoking buds. These guys are stealing the smoking guns gimmick. They're putting a weed twist on it. <laughs> well, I, you know, somebody hit me to that. At the, you know, at the beginning of the night, um, somebody hit me to the fact that it was a smoking guns gimmick. I would have never got that. So good job, John. You I didn't get it until, yeah, I saw like the cowboy boots and I was like, okay, I kind of get it. I, I mean, now unfortunately we didn't catch their names so um, they're, we're just going to refer to them as the smoking buds because we don't know. And uh, Dean, tell me about their opponents. Who was that? Uh, two guys that we are very familiar with, uh, Ron Mathis and Bruce Gray. How would you view the importance of Ron Mathis and Bruce Gray in the overall spectrum of Midwest pro wrestling? What do you think, Dean? Uh, I think it is good to have them. I don't think they're extremely important because I think that there's – I'm fans of them, but I think there's a lot a lot of talent in the Midwest. you got guys that have been around for a long time that know how to bring young kids up. Uh, you got a lot of, there's a lot of talent in the general area that we haven't even seen all. Uh, I do like, I am a big fan of both guys. Okay. Well, Dean's over here burying the, the trash, the DD trash. The, the last thing I said was positive. <laughs> well, I love those guys. I think they are extremely important to Midwest Pro Wrestling because I think that, you know, uh, there's so much emphasis on, you know, doing 5,000 moves and, and all that kind of stuff that these two guys can do all that shit. However, they don't. They make everything matter. Everything they do in the ring matters. Uh, here's an example. Early in this match, we had um, uh, Bruce Gray in a wrist lock. And he was selling that wrist lock in two ways. One, it was very entertaining because he looked like he was in a lot of pain and he was making it kind of funny and the other thing is is he was communicating that a he was the other thing is that he was in tons of pain now when you watch your average indie wrestler in the midwest who does a million flips sell a wrist lock can they sell like bruce gray they can't you know 
So thanks for agreeing with me, guys. I appreciate it. And, and I said, you know, no. shaking my head is not very good on your audio. <laughs> well, and I have, I've learned that I mm-hmm, too much, so I'm being very self-conscious <laughs> of it tonight. Um, so my point is, is that when you get guys working with, you know, folks like Ron Mathis and, and uh, Bruce Gray. They, that's how you get better as a wrestler is working with guys like them and also learning, you know, the old school styles and stuff like that. And I have a feeling that there's a lot of stuff that we saw up at Rockstar Pro, uh, for example, that were, you know, maybe Ron Mathis and Bruce Gray weren't involved in front of the scenes, but they were involved behind the scenes. And you'd be surprised how many of those things that they came up with and they made sure happen, you know, in the ring that we we really love. So, anyway, I love those guys. Just got to put them over as usual. Uh, I was really happy when I came in and saw them. And usually, like, I kind of get a head nod, but they both shook my hand. I kind of like that because it just shows that, you know, we didn't get snubbed. Sometimes when we see them in other places, there's not that attention, but I like the fact that they recognize us, they know that we're fans, and they gave that little extra attention. However, a handshake... And no hand on the elbow from yeah, Bruce. a little disappointing, you know. I thought. I mean, he used to teach fans how to hand, you know, do a handshake. Hand on the elbow. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was almost as if it was actually genuine, you know, like the handshake. It I wasn't mean, disingenuous. Remember when he started the follow me and me, you and Greg followed him to the back. <laughs> We knew an I, ass whooping was yeah, for us if we had crossed I guarantee Mr. Bruce saved us from getting the shit kicked out of he us. He probably did. Yeah, so uh, real quick, um, you know, uh, Bruce Gray was doing this gimmick up at Rockstar Pro where he was the president. And basically, he started this thing where he would say, follow me. And so we, like us and like this dude named Greg got up and followed him, you know, because we... That's what we thought we were supposed to do, right? I mean, he said, follow me. And none of the other fucking fans did it. What a bunch of idiots, you know? And like, and right as we're walking back to the curtain, he stops and he's still talking to the crowd. Come on, follow me. And like, one of the guys in his group kind of looked at us and he like shook his head. Like, do not come back here. Great <laughs> <laughs> so, cool, but you do not yeah, want exactly. to come back here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so tell me a little bit about this match, Dean. All right. So... Smoke and Bloods versus DD Trash. Uh, like you said, it's for the, uh, you know, uh, whoever wins this is going to go on to face Awesome Aussie for the titles. So it was a little confusing at first because all the guys were wrestling together. Aaron was doing his best to get people to the outside of the ring. Who's Aaron? Aaron the ref. Aaron the ref. ref all the way. Yeah, referee Aaron, huh? When he's the ref, he's the ref all the way. What was the rest of that, team? You wrote some sure. lyrics to that. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> you got to put it to music. Okay. Uh, and then, not only, so we're not sure, this is the first tag match I've ever seen here, and I'm wondering, is it Tornado Tag Rules? One man, you know, just two guys in the ring at the same time, no tag. And Bruce Gray was very quick to point out, no tag rule. Yeah, he's like, where's the tag rule? He was offended. He's the master ruler of the tag room. I'm well, you know, him and James Avery, of course, you know. But just bring his own. He should, he should sell tag robes at the merch table. He should. He's absolutely done that before. I know I've seen him somewhere where he brought a tag robe to the ring with him. Anyway, it's awesome. Uh, we're going to see him again tomorrow night. That's going to be great. Anyway, all right, what else happening? All right, uh... 
DDT, uh, DD Trash cut the ring in half and dominated using rep distractions. Yeah, Aaron was all over one of the smoking buds. He even kept telling him, like, they're both, he's like, I don't care, you gotta get out of the ring, I don't care. Yeah, he said he didn't even care. John, what'd you think of this? I liked the authoritative stance that Aaron had tonight. There's been criticism I've had for him before tag matches where he just lets everybody run amok. And he knew how much I pay attention to these tag matches and who's the legal man and who's not. And he did such a fantastic job tonight, at least in this match, keeping track of who's who, who's the legal man, who's not. And that smoking butt guy was not the legal man, and he kept trying to get in. And Aaron did the right thing to the dismay of a lot of fans. He did the right thing by keeping that guy at bay. Now, yeah. Bruce Gray and uh, Ron Mathis might have been doing some dirty things, but I'm not a snitch, so I don't know what they were doing <laughs> over there. Well, I, at one point, um, you know, Aaron was letting the Smoking Buds know, like, this is not a proper tag. That was not a tag. You did not tag. And so then he turns around and he sees Bruce Gray and Ron Mathis, and they do, they show, demonstrate a yeah. perfect tag, you know, which was great. You know, well, it was I love that. You know, when they're, when they're, they'll double team the hell out of a guy. They get in the ring and they go, okay, yeah, yes, you. Tag. <laughs> That's always great. This is something that I didn't even catch. Through the, eventually there was a hot tag to the other smoking bud, uh, double teaming, different things happening. They hit a series of moves and go for a pin, and Aaron knew, no, you're not the legal man. That's right. It's like a shell game of wrestling, and Aaron was on top of it. Huge it pop from John. And John I, was like, yeah. <laughs> Because I knew who the legal man was, and I'm like, that guy who's going for the pen is not. Yeah, Aaron was really happy with himself. <laughs> Which he should be. That's tough, man. Especially when these guys are trying to get in the ring and they shouldn't be in there. They're all stoned, you know. They're they're drinking some red viscous liquid or whatever the hell that was. That guy was. Well, I mean, that's definitely uh, easily cotton mouth. Is that what it is? You know, I was wondering, and we're talking about one of the smoking buds. He had this red liquid he was drinking. I thought maybe it was one of those things, those, like, detox things you drink so you can pass a drug test. Like, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. But, I mean, they're in Indiana. Who's fight drug test. Who's, who's fucking testing me? So. <laughs> this that's match was great. Yeah. I fucking loved it. Um, you know, and, and the other thing, too, is that the DD Trash... You know, they would. They kept saying D D. It was like Bruce Gray would say D T, and then he would say Trash. Ron Mathis would say it, and Ron Mathis has been doing this wah thing like his whole career. I can't imagine how that guy can even talk. You know, he just screams the whole match. It's crazy. Anyway, he's used to it. It's like uh, it's singers and vocalists how they can just sing for big long concerts. He's got a he rests. He, he gets the the little lemon tea and he rests his throat in between matches and has cough drops at the ready so as soon as he gets off stage he's right there resting his vocal cords. I'm sure he's a big lemon tea guy you know I'm sure huge (laughs) alright Dean what else happened here Uh, so uh, on the outside of the ring Bruce Gray hit a DDT on one of the smoking buds that was about the last we saw that guy yep because on the floor man get out of here one DDT and he's done. Yeah, that usually in the ring that'll kill you. On the floor, you're dead. So what? How this all shake out here? Uh, back in the ring, we had a uh, Mathis was in the corner and Bruce kind of ran up his chest 
and then Mathis pushed his legs around, so it was like an assisted tornado bulldog. Uh, and then a clothesline from Mathis, and another DDT on the other smoking butt from Bruce, and that's all you need. That's right. It was kind of a baby DDT, too, because the guy was, like, already on his knees, so yeah. a little, like, basement DDT there. I like that. So, yeah, the uh, DD Trash gets the win. They did not cut a promo after their match, so... Because um, they don't have to. What, what are they going to ask for the title match that they just earned? <laughs> That's pretty great. We want the belts. Yeah, yeah. Listen to yeah. the beginning part of the match. You got it. Like, we couldn't let understand me, him on the mic. Sorry. Let me make a fake phone call. <laughs> they did make a very athletic exit up from the ring, though. Yeah, tell me about that, John. Uh, Ron Mathis looked at Bruce Crane and said, hey, man, let's do backflips out of this ring. So Bruce is like, all right, let's go for it. So Mathis does his little backflip out of the ring, and Bruce just gets down on it's on all fours just slides out he's like hey man we did it I did that's not what I saw I saw them both do perfect backflips out of the ring it was like a synchronized swimming version that's of out of the ring backflip yeah and, and then because Bruce Gray would never lie I trust him you know I trust him too I voted for him <laughs> alright what happened after that thing? next we had a match between Thomas Sheary uh huh and Bradley Prescott the fourth. That's, That's you, buddy. Yeah, so I think it's Thomas Shire, I believe. Okay. Um, and uh, Bradley Prescott the fourth, or as I like to call him, Bradley Prescott. Bradley Prescott Jr. the fourth. So he uh, is a drunk guy, right? No, he's a party guy. He's a party guy. Okay. So, uh, John, you are you are a big fan of uh, BP four. Um, what, what do you think about his performance tonight? Uh, what do you think of, uh, you know, I mean, because you had some, some interactions with this other wrestler that needs to be explained here. So <laughs> tell me about this. So before the match starts, uh, Thomas Shire looks over at me and he says, oh, my God, Tony Schiavone is in the crowd, oh. and he's here trying to recruit some wrestlers. And so for the rest of the match, he keeps looking at me to try and impress me because he wants me to sign him. Okay. And I tried to let him know from the get-go, like, yo, I'm here for Bradley Prescott IV. I'm not here for you, but if you oppress me, there might be good things in your future. Hmm. I missed the part where he thought you were Tony Giovanni, and then later on when he kept calling you Tony, I thought he was just getting your name wrong. Well, like, originally he looked at me and he said, like, hey, Tony Giovanni, and I, like, looked behind me, like, are you talking to me? She here? Just so you know, uh, John, you're about a foot taller than Tony Schiavone, so just so you know. But I guess my beard and glasses remind him. I guess. I don't know. I really like Tony Schiavone as an announcer and stuff. Um, You want to see something funny? Watch that AEW Dark show and watch him awkwardly do, uh, you know, kind of like throws on this uh, (laughs) this show with this uh, female counterpart he has. I mean, it is awful. It is absolutely awful, and it's hilarious. So you can tell it's like the 30th time they've done it, and they still can't get it right, and they're just like, fuck it, just print that one. We're good. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. So uh, anyway, check that shit out. But, uh, but yeah, t- uh, where were we at here, Dean? I'm sorry. Uh, the Bradley-Prescott match. Yeah. I was really impressed with his ability to run the ropes or even get in the ring in the way like he, had, he just turned the beer in his hand to make sure that it never tilted over it was always perfectly straight up he didn't spill a drop never and and never party fouls no i mean you know 
he, like, when he got in the ring, he kind of, like, rolls around in the ring a little bit, because, I mean, he's got to get steady his feet, you know, he's, he's been drinking his whole life, so, you know, I mean, he's, his blood alcohol level is, is I mean, they, they don't measure the alcohol, they measure the yeah, amount of blood, going, right? alcohol blood so, yeah, exactly, yeah. so, um, it was pretty high tonight, you know, and he, uh, he was acting all drunk, of course, and so he's stumbling around, but he's got this, like, hard seltzer. He was drinking the hard seltzer in one hand, and in the other hand, he's got, like, a fucking 30-pack or whatever. So, you know, like you said, the opening part of this match is him running the ropes and doing all kinds of spots with this other guy, and he's got the cannons, <laughs> but it's perfectly level the whole time. <laughs> what do you think of this, John? I thought it was amazing, and he kept taking tricks of it while running the ropes with this other guy and it's impressive but then the, then Thomas gets it and he tries to take a drink Riley's already finished it off he was offended and he threw it well, he tried to get him, give him a sip the beginning part of the match and then he decided to take a cheap shot he had an opportunity to get him some seltzer I feel like that if you're going to get a drink of my beer you know, you need to, like, throw me, like, a quarter or something. Because, I mean, that beer costs a couple dollars. You well, know what I'm saying? friends first. Yeah, well, that too. You know, I mean, you're not going to try to beat me up and then, you know, look for a drink of beer. That's not going to happen. But, uh, anyway. Well, Dean, uh, tell me a little bit about this match. What else happened here? This was also the point of the night when we realized that the kids in front of us had been chewing gum and putting it in John's pocket. Yes! Okay, John, tell us what happened here. I so have weird. never been so mad in my life than I was tonight. Really? So, that's, you at, that's you at a 10 on the mad level. Well, maybe not, but these kids are fuckers. I hated these kids in front of us. I don't see how this is real, but go ahead. I, I, and maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was Chad behind me. Chad French. I don't yeah, know. Right. But somehow, I end up with gum in my pocket, exactly where my phone's at, and I pull it out, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Chewed gum. Chewed gum in my pocket. I have not chewed gum at all today. I've worn this jacket for almost two weeks, like, just off and on, and I've had no gum in any of those times. So where this gum came from, I had my hands in my pockets earlier today. No gum. Somehow I get gum, like, on the bottom of my iPhone, in the charger slot, in my speakers. <laughs> like, it's just everywhere, and I was furious. So it kind of distracted me from being able to keep up with this match, because I was hoping to, you know, record some stuff, you know, so I could share it with some of my wrestling buds. But I couldn't, so I was distracted. I just thought it was, like, had job, but, like... How the fuck is there coming in my pocket? This sucks. Like, we would have just left it at that, but these fucking kids. <laughs> these kids in front of us. Why is it them? <laughs> because at, at one point, they get up, and they're behind us at the concessions, and the next thing I know, I have fucking gum in my pocket. Yeah, but you didn't take your jacket off, did you? No, but I... <clears throat> I took mine off. I don't have gum in my pocket. You know, I have my, my number one in Spain jacket on right now, and I, I didn't, you know... I mean, my thing is this. Like, from my point of view, here's how this went. You said, oh, my God, I have gum in my pocket. That's gross. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then, like, five minutes later, or maybe ten minutes later, you go, oh, I have gum on my phone. And I thought to myself, did you know you... you okay, so you found the gum in your pocket. 
Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I'll just put my phone in this phone. Well, no. So, I think the gun was already on his phone, but he didn't realize I it. I didn't realize it. It was, yeah. well, my my view of the story is funnier, where it seems like that you just were like, oh, well, this is where my phone goes. Oh, shit, that's where the gum's at. Fuck. But either way, you getting gum on your phone is, is funny. I, mean, I just so. picture, like, John putting his shoes on tomorrow morning, and there's just a big wad of gum. Yeah, because I took all the gum. What the fuck? I took all the gum out of my pocket and tried to find a place to put it. And I... Why is there gum everywhere? <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about the match, because that, that was fucking great, by the way. That was awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but tell us more about the match, Steve. Uh, there was a spot where Thomas... It, it was a really good, like, he had uh, Bradley up on his shoulders, and he started to do, like, the helicopter spin. And usually, like, in that in a move like that, from when I've seen it, the guy will do that. He'll set the other guy down on his feet, and then they both stumble to different corners and fall on their faces. He just kind of stopped spinning and let the momentum of Bradley keep spinning, and he spun in the air and just, like, landed right on his back. It's fucking awesome. That was a tremendous airplane spin with an awesome end to it and uh, reminded me of the old school shit that Cesaro used to do when he was on the indies. You know, he used yeah. to do that. He would do it with no hands. He would start the guy spinning and they would, he would let go with his hands and keep the guy balanced right on his shoulders and then flip him right off. It was fucking amazing. So, but this is a tremendous airplane spin. It was great. But the thing is, is a Bradley Prescott, he's used to being all dizzy from all the alcohol that he drinks. This probably so, helped him. Yeah, he was like, eh didn't even bug it, you know what I mean, other than the impact of falling, that probably It, it would have been funny if he got up and then just started spinning himself in the opposite direction, <laughs> just and it was like, ha ha! <laughs> Next time. Alright, what else happened here? Uh, more work with uh, Wyatt Bradley was kind of recovering from that, uh, Thomas, this is when he was like, come on, Tony, you saw that? Tony, write that down, you saw that? He was doing more it's like an time work. pressing you, I'm like, no, you're not. Well, and, and roaming camera guy, uh, you know, who is uh, the sister of Billy Starks, he was... Uh, brother. Yeah, he was a brother, sorry. He was uh, he was pointing the camera directly at you a couple times, I know, so you were a big focal point of this match. Yeah, it's, it's too bad you couldn't have unzipped your jacket just a little bit so folks could see that shirt you're wearing a little bit. Or, you know, <laughs> well, there was might gum in the zipper. There was gum in the zipper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, There's just man. gum everywhere. You're going to try to poop later, and you're going to be like, eh, this won't come out. And see what's going on. There's gum in my butt. Like juicy fruit. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, what else happened? Do you need anything else? Uh, Bradley hit a uh, Inziguri, followed by a cross-arm driver of sorts. Yeah. For the win? For right. the win. That's right. Yeah, so he gets the win. No, no 450 splash tonight, John. Were you, were no. you disappointed? I was. Oh, what? Okay. That like driver was really impressive. Yeah, it was kind of like a Michinoku driver. When I say like when you know what Dean said, like cross arms, I meaning kind of like set it up by holding hands with the guy with both of their arms crossed. I don't know what you call that setup. There's probably some wrestling like uh, amateur wrestling term for that that I don't know what it is, but. Uh, you know, it's not the. It's like a knuckle lock, maybe of some kind. But anyway, that was uh, that was a pretty cool finish. He gets the win, and guess what? He got stuff to say, right? Sure does. What do you say, Dean? He said that he wants a title match. Yes, and guess what, guys? He's getting it. But John, it's not with 
It's not a paradigm title, is it, John? It's not, because he said, I will take any title match I can get my hands on. I don't care what promotion is for, I want a title match. It kind of felt like that promo was supposed to happen sooner, but somebody forgot what they were supposed to say, because they were like, we don't have any title matches. And he's like, I don't even care if it's not a paradigm title match. Yeah, this took too long, you know, of course, as we've said about the talking segments, they just took too long, because Jay Rose got in the ring, and he was like, you know, basically, uh, Bradley Prescott was like, hey man, I need this match, and uh, Jay Rose just like, pretended to take a phone call in the middle of the ring, which there's no way he could have heard anything that was going on on that phone, and, and Dean was like, put on speaker. Put on speaker. <laughs> Who is it? Let me talk to him. Well, by the time you said put him on speaker, the phone call was already over, and I was like, wait, there was a phone call? Yeah, I'm still getting gum out of my phone. Oh. So, I wasn't getting any phone calls. Well, anyway, he, um, so, the, uh, the person that he is going to face on January 25th at the next PPW show is motherfucking Warhorse for the IWTV Championship. So, that is pretty awesome. Um, if you've not seen it, check out our Facebook. You can see a tremendous promo that Warhorse cut about our podcast, and uh, maybe I'll put that up again tomorrow, you know, or tonight, or whatever day it is that you guys listen to this. Maybe check out our social media, and you'll see that. It's good stuff. I uh, would put it in the episode, but I just don't see. It's not related to this, you know. But but anyway, he's going to face Warhorse. That's fucking exciting, man. Have you ever seen any, like, highlights of a Warhorse match? Absolutely. I've seen a lot of his talking and his promo work. I've seen a lot of that. Well, okay, so he is very much tied to Gary J. So Jake Parnell and Gary J. both came up together, kind of like taking their match all over the country. So those two guys, you know, much like uh, Cabana and Punk or, you know, Samoa Joe and Punk, they like kind of became known for this match. So they got booked all over the place uh, just to do this match, and he was known as Jake Parnell at the time. Uh, we've seen Jake Parnell at a couple different shows. It's just been a long time, and he looks totally different now okay. because now he's doing. I kind of recognize the name now. So he he was like Jake Parnell. Then he was Jake Warhorse Parnell or Jake Parnell Warhorse, and now he's just Warhorse, and he's just like basically Beavis and Butthead the wrestler, but awesome. You know, I like it. It's pretty what do you cool. Mean, the Beavis and Butthead. But awesome. Beavis well, and awesome. yes, okay, but I mean in the wrestler sense, like Beavis and Butthead, if they fought anybody, they always got their ass kicked. So, yeah, I mean, like, badly, they would get their ass kicked badly. So, <laughs> you remember the strip club guy that just, like, picked them up by their feet and just whipped them onto the concrete? <laughs> that was great. Anyway, well, we are actually running really low on time, believe it or not, guys. It's amazing, but we are just cranking our way home here so we gotta move on uh, that's a pretty awesome deal for Bradley Prescott the fourth is uh, so we got a break next we got single intermission awesome so uh, we got to talk to all kinds of cool people Akira was in the house I got to talk to Brent Ison. Um, I think it's Moe's from the uh, Sobros network, network was in the house. Got to talk to him a little bit. Madman Pondo, you know, uh, fucking Lawyer Gary's in the house, of course. This we is could... when all those shitty kids got in the ring and started rolling Oh, yeah, around. yeah. <laughs> and we were, like, watching them like, that's not cool. <laughs> so instead of, on them. And then Jay Rose fucking ripped them a new asshole, man. That was awesome. Get out of the ring! 
No, absolutely not. Out of the ring. Get out of the ring. I mean, that's one problem with having the ring so low to the ground. Yeah. You know, you could so, tell like the kids were kind of just sitting on it and like oh, they were testing back, it. Yeah, like, they were like, oh, we're on the apron. Uh, oh, we're touching the ropes. Oh, we're in here. Going on the ropes. <laughs> a lot of kids at the show tonight, which was weird because it was not. You know, it's a it's not a family friendly show necessarily. So, but they everyone were, is welcome. There That's was true. one point when they like one was hitting the other. He's like, "Stop it! No, you stop it! No, you stop it!" And John went, "Will you stop it?" <laughs> Get him, John. That's great. John's like, "I got fucking gum on my phone. You probably did it. I'm cutting the promo on you, you fucking little kids. Get out of the ring. Shut the fuck up and stop it." Uh, during the break, me and uh, Dean might have found some alcoholic beverages that we went and drank out in the parking Ooh, lot. Nice. And then I came in and hung out with VP4. Uh, Bought some merch. I got, got his little buddy here. You have a wrestling buddy of, of fucking Bradley Prescott Jr. to fourth. That's amazing. I got Dean. a couple beer koozies. You for did. Us. You gave oh, me yeah. one. That was amazing. Thank you, Dean. Nice. And I have a shirt that'll be on its way here soon. Wow, a natty daddy shirt. Tremendous. Better, better keep on him. He he tends to forget things. I just it's already paid for, so it, it will. Be. Oh, he's definitely forgetting. He's it. definitely gonna forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, so after single intermission, what happened next? Team? We had a match like with Nolan Edwards. Uh-huh. What if it's Billy Stark? Gypsy scum. Nolan Edwards, which I feel like is racist somehow, but uh, I guess not. I just saw him last week at at uh, IWA Mid South versus Larry D. It was awesome. So I was looking forward to this match. Um, John, of all three of us, you seemed the most impressed with this match. Tell me why. I freaking love this match. I think it was just, it was a good pairing. Uh, I think both of them have uh, really good styles that meshed well together. They both like knew what they were doing. Uh, I think they both have really bright futures. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It was. I, I thought it was a good story of him being the cocky bad guy who's like, I don't want to fight a girl, and if I'm gonna have to fight a girl, I'm gonna make her look terrible. And her being like, if I'm gonna have to fight a boy, which I'm used to having to fight guys, I'm gonna prove that I deserve to be in this ring with them, whether they want me here or not. That's some good analysis, John. I like it. Um, Dean, what'd you think of all this? This is this is insane. I, right? I liked it. I feel like a majority of the match was very one-sided. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it was a lot of heat, you know, yeah. going towards Billy because we had to get the heat on her so she can make the big comeback, right? Yes. So uh, anyway, well, um, tell me a little bit about it. What I got a couple notes there. I think uh, they traded uh, a lot of shots. It seemed like. It seemed like every time Billy was about to rally, she would hit, like, one shot, and it would piss him off, and then he would just stiffer even more with, like, a, a brutal shot and chops. Chops, chops suck. <laughs> so they suck to have happened to you, is what you mean, right? I assume. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of striking in this match. I mean, they had big striking changes and stuff. And like you said, John, it was a lot of... Billy Starks being kind of like playful, whimsical, kind of, you know, uh, type person. And, and uh, this Nolan Edwards guy just being a big old fucking jerk piece of crap. Scum, some might say. Yeah. You know? Uh, what else you got there, Dean? At one point, to fight back, Billy started biting Nolan's, like, shin. Yeah. 
and she had bit his fingers earlier in the match. I thought he was going to tap out. That would have been fun. That would have been great. Tap he out was like trying fight. to kind of like fight out of it, and then like, like he picked her up, and then he like put her back down because she was still biting him. That would have been a. That would have been fun. Bit her back. Well, I mean, the ref can't, you know, wouldn't be able to recognize a tap out from a bite, you know, because that's illegal. But still, that would be cool. What you if know? he bit her ear off? What? Or she bit his finger off. John. He was a Mike Tyson. He was a Mike Tyson. Nothing has to be bit off. Yeah, you're fantasy booking somebody losing a finger. Good times. Hey, that's the passion they have for wrestling. If they don't give give up, despite their finger being bit off. All right, buddy. You want to go 100 miles an hour? There you go. All right, so uh, anyway, I got this fucker on the road fucking with me. I don't like it. Could you imagine going over a match? Like, well, I got this thing where I bit a guy's thumb off last week. Really went over well. Just right at the knuckle, Fuck like you. it wasn't the whole finger. Gary J would be like, "Cool, sounds good. Let's do it. See you out there." <laughs> hey, we got ice. Like, get a bag of ice. <laughs> we need to put bags. it by the ring. Two bags. Anyway, yeah, I thought this match was really good. Um, you know, it was a lot of uh, Billy coming from underneath, and yeah, there were a couple kind of you know uh, parts where maybe some things could be cleaned up or whatever. But I mean, I thought overall the storytelling kind of was very good, and, you know, I, I thought this was, it's, it, I've seen two Billy Starks matches now, maybe three, but I think it's only two, and the I first, was, what's that, John? I was going to say, this is only my second time. What was the yeah. first time you saw her? Uh, fight or die. Oh, so, so I've definitely seen her in three matches now, because <clears throat> the first time I saw her was versus Jordan Grace, and so that kind of is the best match I've seen her in, because... Jordan Grace is going to make everyone look like they're the best wrestler in the world because she is one of the best women wrestlers of all time. So uh, that was tremendous. This was very similar in a lot of ways, though, where, you know, you could tell Nolan Edwards was very good and, you know, his ability to sell and, and you know, and take take moves and give moves and stuff like that really benefited, uh, benefited Billy Starks. And Billy Stark's ability to, you know, show fire and fire up and all and stuff really helped her as well and uh, Nolan. So everybody got over in this match, really liked it. What, what else you got there, Dean? Uh, Billy would win with a dude buster. Yeah, I think that's what you call that. I don't know. I tried to I tried to find out what the name of her finish is, and I was told by someone who should definitely know that. I don't know. So, Mouse didn't know. So... And then we brushed over her entrance where oh, yeah. druids and blue hoods came out, and then they were alien druids. They were alien druids, that's right. So, um, it's obvious that Billy Starks is kind of like a special talent, you know, and she's she's kind of an attraction, and so that's a good thing, you know, they're building her up. This was actually her paradigm debut, which is, yeah, which is surprising, Um I feel like that maybe she's wrestled in a pre-show match there or something like that, but I don't think so. I think this is her debut at Paradigm. So uh, that's pretty cool. They did something special for it, and I'm happy for her. She got the win. And Nolan Edwards, you're scum! But you're really good. Yeah, he is really good at the wrestling. After the match, she picked him up to do sportsmanship-like type stuff, smacked him in the face, and then hugged him. Aw. All she wanted was a hug. Well, you know, she got the hug, but she had to smack him in the face for it. Why? Someone just drove past us in the passing lane with their with their hazards on, going like a hundred. 
It's O.J. Simpson. Right? Yeah, it, or it's someone having a baby or something like that. Like, that was crazy. It's the only valid excuse. It's the only two of them. Or their finger got bit off in a match. Oh, it's a or they got gum in their pocket. They're like, fuck! You gotta get home. I'm just gonna say, I need warm soda water. What was the next match, Dean? The next match was our three-on-three match. Which, all things considered, I think we should make the straight to the finish match. I believe so, too. I hate to say this, but we need this to... we got to move along a little bit. This is the straight to the finish match of the week. Uh, tell us who was in it and who won, Dean. So, team one was Graham Bell, Paragon, and Mercy Killer. I, I don't know what his actual name was. That was just the... His, his ear said, said that, yeah. Made in 2000, and like, like I said at the beginning of the show... We're old. Yeah, definitely. And I was like, oh, 2000, that means he's only, oh, fuck, 19. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we're old. So, um, anyway, yeah, and uh, who was the other team? Uh, the other team would be James Brandy. Bandy, long, yeah. Bandy, long hair leather jacket and a short hair leather jacket. Yeah, and me and John are familiar with long hair leather jacket and short hair leather jacket. Because we saw them at Fight or Die in a giant scramble match where we didn't get their names there either. So Still didn't get it tonight. We love you guys. We don't know what your fucking names are. So it would be cool if we could learn those somehow. But, Deuce uh, Domino. Yeah, Deuce and Domino, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, this match was, you know, had some issues here and there, whatever. But it, they were really trying to get through this. It felt like that they, you know, this was the match that got time cut for it. So what was the finish of the match? Uh, James Bandy pinned. Uh, Graham Bell after a triple team. Basically, the two guys held him in the corner. Uh, he got a big knee to the face, and then I'm pretty sure they like, almost triple pinned him. Yeah. Graham Bell, uh, also just a real quick note, he's a guy that we've seen you know, years ago, and uh, we could never forget him because he was the guy who brought a bazooka to the ring, and we called him Bazooka Joe on the podcast yeah. because we didn't know his name was. So and This time he fired the bazooka. He, he hit did. the little trigger, a flame ball shot out. Definitely some hairspray and yeah, some uh, potato yeah, gum without a potato. Pretty much. So anyway, all right. Well, after the straight to the finish match, we we had another match. What was that? Freddie Hudson going up against Myron Reed. Yeah. So this is a special match here because Freddie Hudson is one of those guys that is just a grinder. He's out there. He's doing it. He's hopping in the cars. He's setting up the rings. He's tearing down. He's doing everything he possibly can to get out there. He's also a pretty fucking good wrestler at the same time. So him and Myron Reed have some kind of back and forth where I guess Freddie Hudson's wanted to, you know, get in the ring with Myron Reed for a long time. Finally it gets booked. Myron Reed's a big old jerk in this match though. He did perform a very creative Pearl Harbor though. John, can you describe how this what how this happened? So Freddie Hudson's in the ring. He's waiting for Myron to come out. You know, the Hot Fire song comes out. I start dancing in my seat because I am pumped. You're moving. You're grooving. And my feet were like... Chicklets. Yeah. And uh, so I'm waiting for my Reed to come out. And he's out. And he's got this really bright vest on. And we're all distracted by how bright it is. Looks different. And, and next thing you know, Ryan Reed is Pearl Harboring the shit out of Freddie Hudson. Yeah, he had some other guy come out, uh, you know, pretending to be him in the entrance. And while that's going on, Freddie Hudson's turned the wrong way. And here comes Myron Reed hitting a drop kick out of fucking nowhere for a motherfucking Pearl Harbor. 
believe this shit? Yeah, keep your eyes open. I mean, head on a swivel, you know? Uh, so, you know, we had ourselves a match. Now, I did not take very many notes on this because I was just watching it. I was really, really watching this. And, man, this match was counter for counter. And what I mean by that is it was just like, oh, you're going to do this shit? No, I'm going to do this shit. Oh, you're doing this shit? No, I am. You know, that was pretty much the whole match. It was like every time Myron, you know, would do a high spot and hit a cool move, Freddie would come back with one of his own, you know, or vice versa. It was fucking good stuff, and they both hung. And this match was very complicated, too, as far as all the different shit they were trying to pull off. Um, man, I thought they did a great job. Myron Reed, tremendous wrestler. Freddie Hudson, tremendous wrestler. I love this match. I thought it was awesome. Dean, what you think? I liked it. This was this was also the match where they had the dive spots, where they came over. Every now and then they'll tease a dive spot, so all the fans run out of the way, and then it never happens, or it gets blocked. But they came over like, move, 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 move. And then they like dove right out in front of us. Yeah, on the, those chairs were extremely comfortable, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and, so uh, I, like, back body dropped on it, and I would have been like, thank you, this is comfortable. <laughs> it's like what, falling into your bed. What if somebody back, back body dropped you onto a bunch of chewed gum? What would you think then? I mean, if I, if, I, <laughs> if I was this mad about just chewed up gum in my pocket, and gum, like, over my entire body, be, I, I feel like I'd have a panic attack and <laughs> hyperventilate. Alright. <laughs> so I love this. Like I said, that was awesome. It sounds to me like you guys liked it as well. Um, any particular spots or, or notes that we have to go over with this one? There was a spot that I really enjoyed where Myron Reed uh, was trying to do like a really high speed, I feel like cross body on Freddy. And Freddy moved out of the way and Myron just went over the top rope and hit the guy who was like his body double. And they went back, like, probably two rows into the chairs. <laughs> that was good stuff. Dean. Overall, it was a really good match. Dean, you guys it's been a while since we've seen Myron. It's definitely been a while since we've seen Myron. Actually, no, probably when he was in Rockstar, most recently, Timmy Betray, he was a heel. He's a great heel. Yeah, he's awesome at being a heel. And especially with those pants. Those are awful pants. Those are not baby face pants. Those are heel pants. So... You know, I'm just saying, when he's working other promotions, working face, man, you need to get the bike shorts back out, I think, you know? But it is what it is. So I thought it was awesome. How did this uh, one shake out here, Dean? Myron won with a pin, but he kind of had, like, rolled. He was in a sleeper hold, and he kind of rolled Freddie onto his back. And then the ref was looking at the shoulders and didn't realize that his buddy was helping hold his feet to give him extra leverage on the pin. Yeah, I believe that's what happened because that guy kind of after the match was over, he was over that general area. He was he was sneaky, wasn't he? Yeah. That guy. So uh, anyway, yeah, Myron gets the sneaky win. However, Freddie Hudson got the match he wanted. He fucking put it all out there, and he did. You know, he delivered. So I was really happy with this one. I thought it was awesome, and that leads us to your main event of the evening, and the main event was a tag team fucking insanity match. It was the returning, of course, Rejects, which is John Wayne Murdoch, and by God, Reed Bentley, versus 
the Young Dragons, the triumphant return of the Young Dragons to the podcast, not since the time we had Myron Reed in the car with us, actually, on the road home from wrestling, have we seen the Young Dragons, and that would be Joshua Crane and Dale Patrick's. Amazing. So happy to see these guys. Now, seats, you know, yeah, people want to sit in seats for a match like this. If they're fucking marks, you know, but we're not. So we just got up and stood over by where the owners were standing because there's no reason to sit in the seat during a match like this. So you know, we get to the Night Riders. It's yeah. coming your way. Yeah, it's coming your way. It's definitely coming your way. John, what'd you think of all this shenanigans here? I would. So, so being in Ohio for most of our wrestling shows, at least for myself, we don't see a ton of blood. That's what I wanted in this match. Yeah, I wanted blood. Yeah. I don't typically want blood, but I wanted blood in this match. You got I, it. I Make him bleed. <laughs> I knew three of the four guys because I've seen them a lot at other promotions that we go to, and so I knew that they can get pretty hardcore in their style of wrestling, and they did not disappoint. Whether it was kendo sticks, uh, metal trash cans, plastic trash cans, human beans, uh, chairs. One spot we didn't get to see in this match that I really would have liked is if, um, you know, John Wayne Murdoch, for example, wears kind of like, you know, jean shorts, sort of, and like a, you know, like a, uh, a button-up shirt or whatever. It would have been awesome if, like, Joshua Crane or, or um, you know, Dale Patrick's would have come out chewing gum at a certain point, you know, have the, like, thing where he's, like, pushing it towards the pocket, Right. But John Wayne Murdoch's holding it back, pushing it back towards the other guy's pocket. But eventually it just goes in his pocket and he's like, no! My phone! (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that didn't happen. But we did get three-way juice in this match. We got every hardcore spot you can think of. There was kendo sticks. There was trash cans. There was more trash cans. trash can spot where they had a metal trash can upright laid down, or opening down, and, the, and from the top rope, uh, <clears throat> Dale Patrick gets thrown where he just flips, and just his back lands on it. It crunched a little bit, but that is a lot of impact. I've seen him do that like five times. It's like, why? Stop. I know I can flat him completely if I hit it right. <laughs> And that's, this that's one, what he's trying to do is crush it like a pop can. Like, as soon as he hit it, he comes off, and I swear you can see, like, the outline of the trash can. Like, in his embedded back. into oh, his back. That was like, like, yeah. Well, he is pro wrestling jackass, so he's the, you know, in, the indestructible idiot. It's like he's built as. You know what we didn't see in this match? What's that? His ass. That's true. That's why he didn't win. That's why he didn't win. Anytime Dale Patrick's is in a match, if he doesn't get his ass out, he doesn't win the match. So Does he win I, when he gets his ass out? Or is it yes. Just like yeah, he pretty much always wins. Absolutely. I did, I did almost see his scrotum, but I, I did see his ass. Okay. Well, yeah, because they did a suplex or something and those really got a hold of those cool. tights. Yeah, so. um, but, uh, man, this was a lot of fun. You know, we were out of the way, which was nice, so we didn't have to run around and you know, run away from these guys, but, um, you know, they did all the spots, like you said, and at a certain point, we had, um, John Wayne Murdoch grab some, or what was it, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was Dale grab some chairs, set those up in the ring, 
and then decided they were going to put the trash can that was like folded in half on the chairs, right? And they were trying to win the match that way. However, um, the uh, the rejects saw that and they were like, oh, we know what to do with those things, right? So they hit the Judd Nelson driver off the top rope on Dale Patrick's through garbage can on chairs, all right, and get the win. And it was Judd Nelson. Yes, and we are going to correct. I'm going to correct myself. I apologize. I got Judd Nelson and Judge Reinhold uh, mixed up on the last episode that we uh, talked about these guys. And I apologize profusely, all right? Judd Nelson is from the Breakfast Club, all right? And he's a different guy altogether. He used to wear a leather jacket, and he was cool as fuck. So there you go. And he had a cigarette burn on his arm. Yeah, man. Cigar burn. Yeah, Fucking dad or whoever it was doing that to him. B O O H O O. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So they get the win. The rejects get the win, of course, because they are the hometown team. And uh, here we are, uh, another PPW show in the books. John, what'd you think? I thought it was a great first show to go to. Uh, for never being before, I felt like, you know, storyline wise. There might, I might not have been able to keep up with everything, but I got a good grasp of what has been going on down there. Uh, I thought the action was really good, top to bottom. Uh, my only kind of gripe would be too much talking at times. But other than that, like the wrestling outshined the too much talking at times, I thought. There you go. Dean, what you think? I liked it. There were, there were a lot of people that I haven't had a chance to see. A lot of or very recently that the Young Dragons, I always liked about seeing the Young Dragons again. Uh, Myra Reed, I'm always like seeing Cole, like a lot, and this was a lot of good stuff in the card. Yeah, it was a great show. Um, you know, it's, like I said, it's fun to see uh, promotion kind of reset, you know, and that's kind of what they're doing by moving to this new venue. You know, they have a fairly new champion and, and some new stories that are going on, so you know, this is all exciting, and as John pointed out during the Rejects match, they are now in a building where they can do blood if they want, you know? And, and I don't think they're going to get too crazy and have death matches and stuff like that. However, having that, you know, like, okay, so if you're in Ohio, or I mean, some of the promotions in Ohio get away with it, some of them don't. But if you're in Kentucky, for example, you're missing, like, the screwdriver out of your toolbox, you know what I mean? You got to use something else. You can't use the screwdriver, and that's what I mean is is that in wrestling you have all these different tools and things you can use to tell stories, and blood's one of them. And when you take that away, it sucks because it's something that's useful. You know, imagine you know next time Cole is is in a, a huge match, like say I don't know, say they book Mance Warner against Cole or something like that, and he comes in and you can get a little blood there in that match. All of a sudden, that becomes a little more important, you know? We say, oh my god, Mance is beating the shit out of Cole. Cole's bleeding, you know? I like it. We get more heat on the good guy. It's a, it's a good way to tell stories. It's all kinds of stuff you can do with it, so I was happy to see it tonight, and uh, I don't know. I thought it was really great. It was fun to be out. I'm really glad that I went with you guys, and, uh, you know, I wish uh, I don't know. I wish Paradigm was closer. That's all I care about, you know? I wish it was closer, so... Anyway, well, John, where can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at jhat05. Dean, you care about any of that shit? No, I don't do social media too much. <laughs> you got a lot of notifications on Twitter probably just sitting there waiting for you. 
one day. So many DMs. Well, check this out. So you can follow us at uh, the Road Home FW on Twitter and on Instagram. What? What? Yep, that's right. We got like three followers on Instagram because I went on there like once the other day. So we are on Instagram at, at the Road Home FW as well. You can follow me at Drusiper Tweets, and you can email the show if you would like at theroadhomefwgmail.com. Uh, let us know how we did. You know, like I said, leave us a review. Uh, we have merchandise for sale. We have all kinds of fun stuff that you can do to support our show. Uh, we really appreciate everyone that listens. So for me and everybody else here, thank you so much for listening. Be a part of something. Sayonara. Sayonara.